Welcome. Welcome to another edition of the Big Picture Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Larry Raglan from Pastor Solid Rock Church in Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm so excited that you decided to join us on our podcast today. It is going to be a, a topic that is dear to my heart. Uh, I've taught this subject in many churches, offer myself to help pastors as much as I can to help them establish their leadership teams. And if you're a pastor and you would like for me to come in and help you, maybe take your leadership team to the next level or establish even a, a brand new leadership team, I'd be glad to do it. This is one of the things that I teach in the time that I come in uh, to help the pastors. It is a very famous story, um, and this will not just help pastors, by the way. This will help all ministers and anybody that's serving in the house of God uh, in any level, in any shape or form. Uh, And quite frankly, it also translates very well to the business world. So if you're in a place of leadership at all and you have people that's serving underneath you, then I believe this podcast is going to help you tremendously. We'll talk about the subject today of setting the house in order setting the house in order. And uh, you'll understand a little bit more about what I'm talking about in just a moment. Uh, but if you haven't already followed this podcast, please do so now. Give us a good review if you if this is a blessing to you, if this podcast has encouraged you. And more than anything, share this podcast and invite others to listen to it because I believe it will touch many people's lives as we grow this leadership podcast, as we decide to, to rise up, the rim that's got to rise up. And I believe that this is the moment, if we're ever going to have a moment where we come together and find the momentum and find uh, the spot that God has put us in, in this day and for the kingdom for such a time as this, it is now. So today, talking about setting the house in order, uh, we base this teaching on a very famous story in Scripture that's found in 1 Kings chapter 10, and it's just simply known as, I, I call it, the, the the story of the Queen of Sheba. This was a very uh, prominent and very well-known queen uh, of the Ethiopian area, and she was coming in to verify some things that she had been told. She had been told of the amazing home, The let me back up, the amazing tabernacle that the King Solomon had built. King Solomon, of course, is known in, uh, throughout history and through Scripture, of course, as being the wisest man to ever live. But he also is known for building a temple, that uh, tabernacle, and a temple that Solomon's temple is, as it is known, uh, that was just the most magnificent thing this world has ever seen. In fact, I've, I've read some theologians and some people say that this was probably the only facility, the only building that would probably, if it was rebuilt to specifications today, would cost over a trillion dollars to build. I've been told that. don't know if that's true or not, but I have been told by several people that their estimates is it would cost over a trillion dollars to build this. There was so much gold involved. It's an incredible, incredible building uh, that was the temple of God and is known as Solomon's temple. The Queen of Sheba in 1 Kings chapter 10 says in verse 1 that she had heard, I want you to hear this, she had heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. She came to test him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a great a host of people with her because they all came to verify what they had heard. They had heard of this magnificent temple. They'd also heard of the wisdom of Solomon. So the Bible says that she came bearing gifts. She brought gold, precious stones, 
When she came to Solomon, listen to me, she spoke with him about all the things that were in her heart. Now, pastors and leaders and ministers, I want you to know that I know that if you've been called by God and you're listening to this leadership podcast because you believe that God has called you to a place of influence, it is in your heart to make a difference in somebody's life. It is in your heart to have a spirit of excellence about you. It is in your heart to mold people, shape people, and and empower them to be all that God has called them to be, or you wouldn't be a leader. So that's why you are involved in, in leadership. So the Bible says that Solomon spoke with her and answered all the things that was in her heart. Now listen, it says that he answered all her questions. This is so incredible when you think about it. She, he answered all her questions, and there was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. So his wisdom was very known to her. Now listen to verse 4. This is so powerful. And when the queen of Sheba had seen, seen all the wisdom of Solomon, not heard, but seen all the wisdom of Solomon, and quite frankly what his wisdom had produced in this house, this is how she saw the wisdom of, of his life. She had heard of the wisdom, but she was able to see the wisdom. She was able to see his influence. She was able to see all around him, not just the temple itself that was overlaid in gold and magnificent to see. But watch what happens here, and I want to help you understand the power of influence and the power of equipping and raising up and having a leadership team that is that understands the purpose for which they are called and their level of service and their level, their place in that team when they begin to see that. Watch this. The Queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon. The house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his servants, and the service of his waiters, and their apparel, his cupbearers, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. And here's the big thing that's widely known in this, in this story. There remained no more spirit in her. Some, some translations say she fainted uh, and that she passed out. But bottom line is it, was, it took her breath away. Something that she saw, many things that she saw, took her breath away. Then she said to the king, it was a true report which I heard in my own land of your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And here's the big one. And indeed, the half was not even told me. So you got a picture. This is a queen that brought an entire host of people with her, gold and all types of gifts to give to the king of Jerusalem, the king of Israel, uh, Solomon. And But when she came, she came to verify what she had heard. And she said, I, I have seen everything they told me is true. But as much as it was, it wasn't even half of what I've seen and experienced here today. It's double what I thought it was. And she goes on to say, your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame in which I heard. And this man, I love verse 8. Happy are your men and happy are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. That is amazing. So she came with hard questions, and then he answered those questions. What was her hard questions? I think one of her hard questions, leaders, was that she had not only heard of the building, but she had heard of how this building operated. And she wanted her house to operate 
on the level that she had heard this house operated. So, yes, she came to see this magnificent sight, but she also came to, to, um, to, to just pick his brain on how do you get such a, a level of leadership and such a level of buy-in to what you're trying to do. And every question that she had, he answered those questions. Now, listen to Let's break this down for the next few minutes here. Not, it's going to be a quick podcast here, but it's going to help you. If you'll stay with me, it's going to help you later. So what did she came to come to see? This is the key that you've got to get. And I want you to get this in your spirit. You may even want to write this down. She came to see the building, but she left talking about the servants of the house. See, let me tell you something. People are going to hear about your leadership. They may hear about your church. They may hear about the ministry that you have influence in. And they're going to come to see the thing they've heard about. But if, we, if we're leading correctly, they won't leave talking about our church building. Oh, they may love it. They may love the design of the building. They may love the way you've got your chairs laid out, your lighting. They may love the sound system. They may love all this kind of stuff. And those things are great and important. But what you want them to leave talking about more than anything is the people that they encountered when they came into the place of your influence. So she came to see the building, but she left talking about the people of the building. Verse 5 says that she was so overwhelmed by what she saw happening inside this house that there was no more spirit in her. She literally had her breath taken away. What took her breath away? The first thing she mentions is the meat of his table. The meat of the table, obviously, we're talking about ministry here, represents the word of God. When people come into your church, when people come into a service that you're ministering in, if you're in the business world, when, when people come in and begin to see how you operate, your level of influence, you got to understand as, as a man of God, whether you're a pastor, an evangelist, a five-fold ministry gift, a missionary, or you're in the marketplace and God is using you in great ways to influence people that you, your coworkers and people around you. If you're going to influence them for, the, for, for God, you're going to influence them through the Word of God. So the most important thing in your house is to make sure that you, that you have empowered your spiritual leader, your pastor, to bring the Word of God to the people, to, to equip the people with, for the work of the ministry. Now, this may sound a little controversial to some people, but I truly do believe this in my life, is that when God sets a pastor in that house, it is the pastor that brings the vision to that house. It's very, very important for you to understand the level of the office of that set man that's in that house. He is the visionary. He is the spiritual father of that house. And quite frankly, don't mean to step on anybody's toes here and step on anybody that may be a part of a system that's like this, but it's very difficult for the meat of the table to be served the way it needs to be served inside the house of God when they're uh, changing out the visionary and the father of that house every year and a half, two years, and they're moving on to something else. It's got to be more than an occupation. It's got to be, you've got to have a shepherd. You don't need a hireling. You need a shepherd because that shepherd is going to make sure there's meat on the table. Oh, yeah, there's baby Christians that are going to come in. We're going to feed them the milk of the word. But as soon as we can, we're trying to move them and transition them to solid food, to the meat of the table, to the steak, to the T-bone of the word of God. She was impressed with the depth of the meat of the table that was in that house. She was also impressed 
and took her breath away by the sitting of his servants. The sitting of his servants. When you look at that word servants, it implies, it almost makes us think about when we think about a church setting, the members of the church, not just how they sat, but the people that had locked down, the people that had sat down in that house, that had made that their house. You need some people, pastors, that, that are going to put some roots down uh, in the house. And if and if you're not a pastor and you're a child of God, you need to find a place where you can put some roots down, where you can sit your family down. That word sitting, where it says the sitting of a service, is actually the word moshab in the original language, in the original Hebrew. And it literally means the assembly. She was impressed with the assembling of the people in the house. We live in a time now where a lot of people have left the assembly. They've left the gathering. But I'm telling you, there are people that are coming. They're going to hear about the ones that are gathering. They're going to hear about the ones that have made the decision to come back and worship God together. And when they come to see it, let me tell you something what's going to, what they're going to leave talking about. They're going to leave talking about the people that are in that house that have put roots down, that that vision matters to them. That assembly matters to them. They're faithful. They're faithful to that house. In our terms, we would say that she was impressed by the faithfulness of the church members of that local assembly. Child of God, be faithful to your church. When the doors are open, get there. Be faithful. Serve. Get up with excitement. Sit towards the front. Raise your hands and praise God. Get involved. Shout the preacher down. Open doors. Rock babies in the nursery. Teach children in the children. Park cars in the parking lot. Cut the grass. Clean the church. Do something. Be faithful. Be faithful, church. Be faithful with what God has called you to do. If you're going to be a leader, you must understand that church is not optional. You will be stretched further than the than regular church members. Leaders, let me just tell you something. You will be stretched further than regular church members. Be faithful. Be faithful. And the next thing that took her breath away was the attendance of his ministers. The attendance of his ministers, what it said. Now, the attendance of his ministers, I want to talk about the ministers here. And, and I don't know if you're familiar with this term, but you'll hear me say a lot on this podcast, the fivefold ministry. What is the fivefold ministry? It's found in the book of Ephesians, and it's in, it's in the chapter 4. And it says that Jesus gave us gifts. These are known as the gifts of Jesus. We know there's the gifts of the Spirit. But the, the, the gifts that are attributed from Jesus to the church is what is known as the fivefold ministry gifts. Now, watch this. The, that, the fivefold ministry gifts are what? Ephesians 4.11 says he gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So when he talks about the attendance of the ministers, I want to just uh, interject here that I believe she her, her breath was taken away by the faithfulness of, of the fivefold ministry that's in that house. In fact, the word attendance there that she was impressed with in the original Hebrew is the word mamad. And it literally means office. So when you hear somebody talk about operating in the office of pastor or the office of an evangelist, the mamad, the office, she was impressed with the mamad of the ministers, how they walked in their office. They were confident and who they were. In fact, let's read that real quick, just a portion of it in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 9 says, now, he, now this, he ascended. What does it mean that he also first descended in the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far from heavens that he might fulfill all things. I think we all know who the one is that ascended. That's Jesus. 
And he himself, himself, gave us some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. How long does it last? Watch this. For the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting but speaking the truth in love that we may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, to whom the whole body joined and knit together by every one, every joint supplies, according to the effectual working by which every part does its share, causes growth to the body and edifying of itself in love. Can I tell you something? That is powerful. When you think about it, you're going to have to let the fivefold ministry gifts operate in the mama, the office in which they are. You know, when you talk about pastors, and I want to help some people here, you know, there's an idea of a traditional role of a pastor. You ask somebody, what do you think the pastor's occupation is? Or what is the pastor's job? People say, well, maybe it's to visit the hospitals, to visit people in their homes. But can I tell you something, child of God? It's going to be, it's going to sound a little shocking to some of you. But it is not the pastor's job to visit hospitals. It is not the pastor's job to visit the sick. It's not the pastor's job to call and check on people when they're not there. Now, before you get mad at me and ban me and unfriend me and unfollow me, hear me out for just a second. It is the child of God's job. Remember, Jesus said there'll be a day that you'll stand before him, and he'll say, when I was naked, uh, you didn't clothe me. When I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was in prison, you didn't come and visit me. When, Lord, we will say, when? When were you ever naked? We surely would have clothed you. Clothed you. When were you ever hungry? We surely would have fed you. He will say, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Or if you didn't do it unto the least of these, you didn't do it to me. So in other words, he's trying to say to you that it is the child of God's job to clothe the naked. It is the child of God's job to feed the hungry. Well, certainly your pastor, I certainly hope that your pastor is a child of God. So yes, in essence, it is pastor so-and-so's job to do those things, but not because of him being the pastor, but because of him being a child of God. It is the office of the pastor's job to equip you and to shepherd you. That's what pastor means, to equip you for the work of the ministry to empower you that when you leave that service or that assembly, that you've left with a mandate from God to clothe the naked and to feed the hungry. Come on, are y'all hearing me? See, I want to just take that just a little bit further and tell you that in Acts chapter 6, we see the church exploding, and it is just, it's just it's growing by thousands quickly. And, you know, that's a great thing. That's a great problem to have, but it can also be, quite frankly, a problem. Because if you don't have enough leaders in place to handle the growth, you're going to be in trouble. In fact, I tell our church all the time that, you know, one of the reasons that I know as a pastor that we're not growing is because we need more people to step up as leaders. Because God is not going to send more people than we have the leaders in place to minister to those people. It would, be, it would be senseless for God to send people to a church that don't even have a leadership team that, you know, they get saved and now, now what? They need people to be able to pour into their lives. And that's what happened in Acts chapter 6. And, but up until that time, it was almost manageable for the 12 apostles uh, at that time to feed and take care of the widows and take care of the things that were happening that were physical needs, but then also take care 
of the word of God. And the Bible says in those days the, when the number of disciples were multiplying, people started complaining uh, against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in their daily distribution. And the Bible says, then the 12 apostles summoned the multitude together and said some powerful words that people don't like to read this. It steps on their toes. It says, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Diakonos, where we get deacon, serve tables. Can I tell you something? Deacon does not mean a board, but that you're on a board somewhere, that you vote on something. Deacon means to serve tables. It means to be a leader. It means to be a servant. By the way, the way you lead is by how you serve. Then he says, therefore, brethren, seek out among you seven men of good re- reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, that we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. In other words, he says, we've got to operate in the office in which we are, uh, that we have been mandated and the mantle that's been put on us and the, the needs of the, of the house of God are pulling us in such a direction. We're having to step outside of our office. And let me tell you something that shocks me every time I read it. It says, and the saying pleased the whole multitude. My God, that means the church people said, yes, we want our pastor. We want our, uh, the apostolic leaders to dedicate themselves to the word of God. And we'll take care of this other stuff and take that off of you. You know, listen, make sure your pastor is not doing everything in the house. The pastor's wife not doing everything in the house. He shouldn't be overwhelmed by every aspect of the ministry. So when the queen of Sheba saw this part of of the house of Solomon, she was blown away that here's this man of influence and power, and many of the things were being taken care of for him all around him. See, when the load is shared, it will please the whole multitude. Get that in your spirit. When the load is shared, it will please the whole multitude. But if it's all on the back of one or two people, it will kill them. It will wear them out. Let me finish this thing. It says that she was impressed by the apparel of his ministers, the apparel of his ministers. Now, listen, I don't think this is necessarily talking about, you know, how sharp dressed they were. You know, some people will say that I can't go to church because I ain't got nothing to wear. Well, you know, I say all the time, just don't come naked. Just put something on your body. And if you do come naked, we'll love you and put some clothes on you, and you're still welcome. <laughs> but bottom line is, most people ain't gonna do that. You know, it, you know, if you go, if you if you're visiting a church that's that's going to uh, make you, you know, dress like you're going to a business meeting, and praise God, that's that's fine. If you feel if you feel to to wear a suit, wear a dress. Listen, I respect that, but I also respect it if you ain't got a suit and a dress, and you've got jeans, or you've got a all you got is t-shirts. The bottom line is a, a true pastor, a true shepherd just wants to get you in the house so that we can give you Jesus. So, you know, I don't think she was saying, oh, wow, look at this house, man. Look at how everybody's dressed. I think she was concerned with how the, the, the ministers carried themselves. They carried themselves. But it's, I think it goes beyond that. I think when, when you've been put in a place of influence, whether it be a church, and, and I'm mainly talking about that, but it could be anything, uh, whatever aspect has been put into your uh, realm of influence. Uh, I think you need to talk. I think you need to look at the little things, the little things like the cleanliness of the bathrooms, the nursery, the parking lot. How are you treating people? How are you carrying yourself? How are your leaders carrying themselves? Are they carrying themselves sloppy? Are they carrying themselves sharp? Are they carrying themselves with with a with a sense of purpose, with a sense of a mandate upon their lives? Teach your leaders. Teach those you have influence with. Carry yourself. With not a not a uh, an ungodly pride, 
but a sense of an awareness of the privilege and the honor it is to serve in this house. She was also impressed with his cupbearers. Now, the cupbearers were very special people. Many of you know that. It's, it's mind-blowing when you think the main purpose and job description of a cupbearer was to drink uh, from the cup of the king, and then the king would stand there and look at the, look at the cupbearer and see if they started to die. And because his job was to filter out any poison. In fact, the the sign of a great cupbearer that would become a legendary cupbearer was that he died. I mean, how crazy is that? They'd fall over and they'd say, oh, yes, what a great man he was. He just saved the king. God saved the king. <laughs> That's just amazing. They would take the wine before they gave it to the king. They put their lives on the line. You know, a, a modern ministry word for cupbearer might be armor bearer. You may have heard that term armor bearer. You know, ar- every armor bearer that's been called to be an armor bearer, they have a ministry that they've been called to as well. But they take in that moment to serve the leader that they are being an armor bearer to. You know, they they push, the, sometimes they push their calling back just a little bit to say, you know, if I make this happen for my leader, I know that God will make my call happen for me. And I will say this to you, pastors, if you don't have armor bearers, if you don't have people that are helping you and serving you, uh, but you know, you, you might be setting yourself up for disaster. So look out for that. Cover yourself. Surround yourself with people that love you. And I'm not talking about yes men. And I'm not talking about people that's going to take care of everything and make you some kind of prima donna. That's not what God's looking for. He ain't looking for armor bearer don't mean somebody going to wipe your sweat. Armor bearer don't mean you ain't never got to open the door. Come on, pastor. Learn how to open the door for yourself. Learn how to wipe your own sweat. You know, we got too many superstars in the, the so-called house of God now. We need to get back to understanding that the calling that is on your life is to serve, is to serve. But when you have an armor bearer and you have a cup bearer that's made a decision to put their life on the line, quite frankly, for that ministry and for you, you you don't take advantage of that. You honor, you honor you honor down, you honor parallel, and you honor up. Honor, honor goes in every direction. It don't just go to you. And lastly, she was impressed by the ascent by which he went up to the house of the Lord. That word ascent, it blows my mind, is actually interpreted burnt sacrifices. It implies burnt sacrifices. See, the leaders, now you get this, Pastor. I'm talking to a lot of pastors today, and, and, and maybe evangelists and people, or, or anybody that leads the service. You have to be willing to sacrifice your time and your talents for God. Ministry is not easy. Ministry is not for the faint of heart. You're going to have to sacrifice some things. There's going to be some things that's going to get burned off of you. You're going to lose some things. You're not going to get to do the things that everybody else gets to do. That's part of ministry. But I'm going to tell you something else, pastors. Don't be that pastor that in the, in, the, in the house of God, everybody in the world is, everybody in that house is doing their job. They're serving God. They're serving with excellence. They're dancing before the Lord. They're praising God. They're raising their hands. They're ever how your church worships the Lord. They're involved in worship, and you're sitting up there like a knot on a log. Come on. Just sitting up there with your arms. You're expecting everybody else to worship God, and you won't even move yourself. Come on. Pastors, worship God. If, if your folks are worshiping God, they need to see you worshiping God. And if you don't feel like if you're tired, well, guess what? They don't feel like it, and they're tired too. So I want to tell you, man, how awesome is that? 
is that when she all the way there, they were probably talking about that house. Boy, we're almost there. You're about to see, from what I hear, the most magnificent building I've ever seen. You're about to, I'm going to be able to sit and talk with the wisest man to ever live. When they were on those camels going back, do you understand they went back? She, all she could talk about is the people that was in the house, the no-name people. She didn't know their name. She knew his name. But she saw what made that house so special. I can only imagine her leadership meeting when she got back. The Queen of Sheba had them lined up and said, let me tell you, bring my cupbearers over here. Come here, come here, ministers. Come here, all you flowing in the office of this, this, and this. From now on, let me tell you how you're going to carry yourself. Because I went, and I was trying to see what I heard. But I, I guarantee you this, the half was not even been told to me. And she took, it took her breath away. Let me tell you something, men and women of God. You want to have a church that's going to take people's breath away? Not in a prideful way. Not that they would talk about you. And not that they would even talk about an individual person. Because it ain't about that serving that individual person. But when people come into the place of influence that God has given you, the way you set that house in order is that from the parking lot to the nursery, to the foyer, to the sanctuary, to the praise team, to the preaching, to the, and even the ushers and everybody that serves in any aspect of that house, they serve with excellence. They serve knowing that the greatness of God is within them. We don't take advantage of the fact, or we don't take lightly for the fact, we've only got those people in our influence, some of them for just a few minutes, a couple of hours at most, once a week. We need to make sure that we are serving to the bottom, from the bottom of our heart, to the depths of our spirit with everything we got. We got to be big picture in everything we do. The little things have got to matter just as much as the big things. That's what this podcast is about. And over the course of the next weeks, months, and even years, we're going to little by little help you along the way so that you can see the big picture of what it means to be a leader. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to follow this podcast. Make sure you give us a five-star review and share this podcast. I'm Larry Raglan. I'll see you next time on The Big Picture.